0: Hello and welcome to Hurdles, on the podcast I shall be interviewing successful and famous people and talking to them about their achievements, struggles and mindset. I am delighted to say we are joined by Olympic gold medalist and President of UK Athletics, Jason Gardner. Welcome Jason, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. Let's get right into it. So Jason, many will know what you have achieved but for those who don't, uh, can you tell us a bit about your career and your successes?
1: Yeah, I guess, um, I'll probably be, um, most well known for, uh, winning the Olympic gold medal, uh, in Athens, 2004, uh, in a four by 100 meters relay. I was also a hundred meter sprinter, um, ran the hundred meters in 9.98 seconds. So breaking the magical sub 10 second barrier and, uh, I had a really distinguished career, um, particularly in the indoor athletics uh, circuit over 60 metres, winning uh, world championship gold medals and four European gold medals.
0: Brilliant. Can you just describe uh, to the audience how it feels to have won a gold medal at the Olympics? Well, it
1: took me nearly 20 years to achieve my childhood dream, um, to win an Olympic Games gold medal. and. You know, for all those years from being a schoolboy, from watching the Olympics on TV, uh, I had a talent when I was young and that's what I wanted to do. And as I kind of progressed and took my schoolboy talent through club to national levels and then managed to climb, you know, um up a, another few ladders, uh, rungs of ladders to becoming a Great Britain international athlete to becoming an Olympic athlete. My first Olympics was in Sydney, 2000. I thought, this is it. Um, I'm gonna achieve my um, childhood dream. And uh, it all kind of came crashing down. Uh, I came away from those games with a disqualification in relay. I didn't progress past the quarterfinals finals in a hundred meters. And I had the hard lessons to learn about how tough it is Olympic um, arena. So um, for Athens to come along, and I was probably, well, probably, I was in not as good shape as I was four years before. And, you know, when it was kind of like all stacked against us, it all was looking like the British team in particular in the relay wouldn't achieve gold. We did. We beat the formidable USA team. And to stand on that rostrum, when I look back now on video footage and just think, wow, you know, seeing the Union Jack flag being raised above every other nation, beating the fastest team ever to be assembled in a relay in the great USA team was just a tremendous um, yeah, moment in my life. And yeah, it's uh, really satisfying.
0: I bet I, mean, I have seen the video and uh, it is just brilliant what was achieved. So how did you go about achieving this? When did you know you're going to be successful and what sacrifices did you need to make to achieve greatness?
1: From the age of seven, Uh, to eight years of age is when I knew I wanted to be an Olympic athlete but then you know I wanted to be other things as well I wanted to be a professional football player Uh, but I actually because I was quite good at running uh, certainly in school school sports days I loved that feeling of of you know running really quickly and um, and racing I love racing and it was probably at the age of 17 when actually my kind of aspirations my dream to be an Olympic athlete, or be Olympic champion, was suddenly started to be um, taken seriously by a lot more people, because I started to make a mark on the uh, international stage. I, at at 17, I uh, represented Great Britain, Northern Ireland team for the first time, against an international against uh, Germany and Russia. And then the year later, I, was able to get selected to compete in the World Junior Championships. And I came away from those championships with a silver and a gold medal. And that is when people started to believe in um, that in my dream. Um, And that's when I started to even more believe that it was possible. But the journey was difficult.
0: Yeah, along that journey, uh, were there certain sacrifices that you had to make to put, everything into this career.
1: Yes, yeah, so many sacrifices, but do you know what? I didn't really see them as sacrifices as much because it's what I wanted. A lot of people will talk about, you know, oh, do you know, do you know to you know, not have kind of, you know, your friendship groups, whenever people may be going out, you know, partying when they are, you know, leaving school, etc or going on gap years and stuff like that. Um, a, that was never part of my kind of career plan. plan. I had my part of my career plan was even to go to university. Um, but I, in the end I did, um, but it wasn't a sacrifice really. It was what I wanted to do. I made decisions. It was outlined to me what it would take to win and the effort I think the, you know, the sacrifices I probably look back on, um, I didn't quite realise how hard you have to push your body um, beyond limits. And, you know, it, you will, you, when you're trying to break barriers to win, and I, all our, all our athletes, the athletes competing, um, preparing for Tokyo, um, hopefully later this year, they will, if I genuinely um, go into, um, into those games to win a gold medal, their sights will be on actually having to push their bodies to break world records you've got to do what another human being hasn't done before to kind of um, you know secure to secure that victory so um, those sacrifices were quite tough Um, yeah that was probably it I was quite fortunate I had a quite good balance actually as well Um, I was there's different types of athletes and during the off season, I was able to relax and chill with my friends. I kind of kept most of my same friendship groups, which um, I grew up with in school. So, um, and that gave me just a nice distraction from athletics because it is so intense, it's relentless, and um, often, you know, when you're getting close to your biggest kind of competitions, is when problems happen. You get injured, and it's having to deal with these kind of things. The mental mental toughness is um is a you know a
0: critical kind of component of um, success. No, definitely. You talk about the uh, intensity of being an Olympian. How often were you having to train?
1: Well, I trained with my first Olympic coach, my proper coach, when I was, you know, dedicating myself to be a, a professional athlete. I trained five days a week with that coach. Um, and we were, we had two rest days a week. We worked three weeks really hard and one week light or lighter. Um, and I was with that coach for over 10 years. And then I joined another coach because I wasn't quite fulfilling what I wanted to achieve over the hundred meters. Um, And I joined a coach by the name of Malcolm Arnold. My first coach was David Lees. They were both national coaches and Malcolm Arnold was, um, coached many athletes to world records, Olympic golds. And I, the step up in training when I joined Malcolm was yeah, pretty, pretty fierce and immense. Um, I trained six days a week and it was a, yeah it was really really hard.
0: Throughout your career what hurdles have you had to overcome?
1: Okay right starting out, um, so I grew up in Bath and the, when I grew up at the time there was no facilities around here, there was no synthetic track. Um, I uh, come from a, a, a working class um, background so there wasn't like masses of disposable income around so I didn't have no silver spoon so, um, but fortunately with athletics, it's one of those kind of um, sports where you can enter without requiring too much equipment, etc. But as you start to progress and want to be good, you've got to travel around. And um, so that, that, you know, was a, you know, a cost, an outlay. Luckily, through some success, I was able to get some sponsorship as well to help with some of those um, costs. Um, so um, those were kind of um, earlier challenges I had. And other hurdles um, following the initial kind of um, lack of facilities and what have you, the the ones I probably look back now. Um, access to competition again as a as a international athlete, aspiring international athlete, you tend to run get competitions in, in really good, really hot climates, where. Competition is of a good standard. There's often a nice um, quick track, maybe a nice sort of po- following wind, which is within the legal limits of um, competition. And these things are actually critical for, a, for selection because you've got to um, meet uh, uh, time, time criteria to be selected to represent uh, Great Britain, Olympic, World, European or Commonwealth Games. And um, so initially that was quite difficult, but luckily through success and getting an, a, a good agent, I was able to get some access to those kind of races, like in Rome, Zurich, uh, Milan, um, because often not in Britain, you know, you will know, we, our summers sometimes are going to be indifferent and often, you know, athletics, whenever it's athletics events, it's, it tends to be rain and in, in headwinds and stuff like that. Other hurdles, the big hurdles for me particularly was um, injuries. I had to push and push my body to be uh, as good as I possibly could be, to be competitive with the best in the world. And I and I unfortunately broke down a lot with injuries. Um, but as you get older um, and you can start to understand your body a bit more, you can start to become smarter. But also with the introduction of lottery funding in 1997, um, I was able to start to get a good kind of support kind of um uh, wrap around care so access to doctors physios um, you know obviously training facilities started to come round then so lots of those hurdles which was holding not just myself but a lot of you know British uh, athletes back and um, suddenly those hurdles were, were, um, were removed or certainly overcome and um, that's where I think my career started to really accelerate especially with a great team of people around me. Um, and, I, and, I, and I guess that's, just, that's pretty much the same for you know, the success of um, Team GB now. We've been used to Team GB being winning so many medals, but there was a time in Atlanta where we just weren't competitive on the global stage.
0: Uh, talking about the uh, injuries, what would you say to someone that's trying to compete at a high level and has a, not even a devastating injury, but just an injury? What sort of mindset do you need to come through the other side and better yourself?
1: it's really difficult because often as an athlete you you, you you kind of in your head you want everything to be perfect okay you know you want your training to go amazing your mind to be ready you do you, you dream of getting to that line you know in the biggest race in the tip-top condition the reality is you're not going to be because you're pushing and pushing your body right to breaking barriers to do what a human's not done before and the red line isn't it's, it's not constant you know it changes you know every day and you know what you, you might be able to put in a hard session you know like you know this time last week and then you know a week later nothing's really changed much but you you can't match it so and again this comes down to um like uh you know periodization kind of training programs and stuff am i getting it right but from what i learned with my 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 uh my last coach which is malcolm arnold i learned how to be mentally tough with injury and doing what you can um, and knowing even though you have limitations you can still achieve success and that came to me at the end of my career when winning the world indoor championships was requiring a, requiring a double hernia operation I needed surgery um, and I was I had a fully broken wrist from um, all the weight training and power cleans. So it was fractured two years, fully broken for for one year, but there was no time to get the operation done because Olympics were those dates are fixed. Um, other than wars and pandemics, um, those games don't move. So um, you know, and there's yeah, there's just no time to lose. But what I was able to do is again, I had a great team of people which did help me be the best I possibly could be. And I achieved that success by winning the world indoors and I was having three epidurals a year. So my body was absolutely um, uh, in bits, but I'm um, still achieved success. I won the Olympic gold whilst carrying that, that baton with a fully broken wrist, um, <laughs> I had Achilles problems as well. I've recovered from the, I was recovering, not recovered from the, um, the surgery. I shouldn't have been in Athens. Um, I shouldn't have won the world indoors, but it just goes to show, you know, the power the power of the mind over the body sometimes.
0: Well, oh, that is just brilliant. We spoke about the mentality of getting through injuries, but as an athlete overall, what mindset did you have to require these, uh, these young ambitions? Were you, were you ruthless in your competitiveness? Were you trying to stay as calm and collected as you always could? What overall mindset did you adopt?
1: That can change as well. It changes on the nature of where you are, um, the rivalries you have. And, you know, and, you you know, you you mature as an elite athlete. So, you know, the athlete started out on the international stage is certainly not the one that, um, you know, was was at the end of his career. Um, I always my kind of um, psyche persona was always to be respectful. Um, So whatever I might have been thinking internally about my rivals, I'd never show I'd never show them how much I either disliked them, wanted to beat them. I always tried, I don't never want to give people a real absolute desire to to beat me if I'm on my on my if I'm having a a a difficult year or day. Um but you've got that you've got to have that stealthy um determination. You've got to have that hunger to to win um and to be in hundred meters, you're like big cats, predatorial. It's it's you know, it's a real dog fight out there. Uh, in call rooms and stuff, you've got to be mentally tough to handle yourself. And um, I love the challenge. I love the challenge of trying to, you know, bring the best out of myself. And I and I love winning. I mentioned just at the start of this career, you know, I enjoyed racing. I was a racer. Some people, and I've trained with some wonderful people before, are better trainers than they are, you know, competitors. My only regret, probably, the back of my career, and I didn't quite achieve what I wanted to do over the hundred meters. And um, and that frustrates me. But um, I do look back and, you know, I gave it my best. I gave my best shot, so I'm-
0: That hunger and desire that you, you speak of, did it come naturally or did you have to train that as your career progressed?
1: I was always hungry. Um, for success, I was always determined. i um, I spoke to my mum sometimes, actually, because I often ask myself the same question: What was it that was different about me, this kid, growing, growing up in Bath, where there was no heritage of athletics, um, there was no facilities, um, and where I actually grew up? Um, you know, I grew up in a real tough um, area um, in Bath, and most of my mates that I grew up with um, are either dead, or on drugs, or in prison. Um, oh. And I kind of went against the, the grain a little bit. So um, we're quite, I guess we're quite fortunate because we moved out of that area um, when I was relatively young. So I got myself in a, in a, in a better environment. But um, yeah, I do ask myself that question, but I was just being determined. I just think I've, I knew something, I knew what I wanted to achieve. So there was a spark when I watched the Olympic games in LA in then 1988 in Seoul, Barcelona in 1992 gutted that i didn't make it to um, atlanta 1996 gutted that i failed to, ch- um, to do my results in year 2000 but i just i've always been hungry and usually the setbacks which i've experienced have always been the um, ammunition to to put fire on my belly to go back and try and, and prove people wrong or try and prove myself right um and i guess i'm like a sometimes probably a bit like a dog with a bone you know if i got I got, you know, I, if, I, if I want something, I won't let go of it. And, um, and athletics certainly got that, you know, that pull on me. And uh, yeah.
0: Brilliant. You certainly did get it with that gold medal in Athens in the end <laughs> as well. Um, finally, if you could give one tip to someone looking to achieve greatness, what would that be? You can have some, uh, some time to think over if need be.
1: Well, okay. You've got to know what greatness is for you. I think clarity of purpose is so, so important. And, you know, know what it is you want and greatness often isn't for everybody. And people probably will think it's impossible for you to achieve greatness just generally because a lot of people don't aspire for greatness. You don't need to be great in this world. Um, You can get by being average but being great means absolutely, you've got to have that self belief that you can achieve it and you, you know, and have that hunger. And then you create your roadmap to how you can achieve it. I, I mean, I liken it like as an analogy, you know, if someone sets out to climb Everest, you know, it's like you look at it and it's like, oh my gosh, wow, okay. But then you've got to break it down in stages, you know, and just, and the journey's not, linear and that's one thing I kind of as a young athlete didn't quite I, I saw what greatness looked like or I wanted but I didn't see all the um, you know the ups and downs the highs and lows along the way and it's through those lows you just got to have the absolute belief that you can overcome um, the difficulties um, and just not lose sight
0: fantastic that's a that's a great insight so that's it for the first episode of hurdles i hope you've enjoyed your insight into an elite athlete's mindset jason thank you very much for joining us thank you and thanks for listening to hurdles